Hello, and welcome to the next episode of The Prestige, a podcast about films, filmmaking, and film theory. In each programme, we'll focus on a particular movie. We're going to review it, talk about it, and discuss some of the ideas and themes that it throws up. And as always, we'll end with recommendations for film to watch following this week's film. The links are going to be as close or as tenuous as we think. But before we get into it, who are we and why should you listen? Um, you should listen to my companion, Rob Mathorn, for his insider's perspective. Though he's now an acclaimed photographer, editor and publisher, his first love is film. Um, after a degree in film studies, he went on to spend nearly a decade in the visual effects teams of various films. He's been part of box office successes and Oscar-winning movies, but I consider his greatest achievement to be getting me to change the way I read the credits of a film, and I will now always look out for the name of the colorist. That's wrong. Um, and you should listen to me for the academic view. I've published articles, essays, and a snazzily designed book on... T- I, actually, I, I had no, no part in the design. It just looks cool. It happens to look cool, but it's nothing to do with me. Um, so, a book on travel, race, postcolonialism, politics, novels, graphic novels, film, culture, sport... My not-so-misspent youth and early adulthood involve lots of thinking and writing, and my part in this podcast is another way of getting all that out there. Excellent. Well, that's us. This week, Sam, the film was your choice. Now, this week I chose a recent film, relatively recent film, um, partly because I wasn't sure if Rob would ever choose something that close to his own work. He can be self-deprecating sometimes. on which my co-presenter worked before his retirement from the movie business. It's Mark Forster's 2012 film, World War Z. Um, A short summary, the movie is about a former UN employee, Joe Lane, played by Brad Pitt, who is called out of a partly enforced, partly self-imposed retirement to battle against a pandemic. Uh, this is not a pandemic of zombies in the Night of the Living Dead mould, so shuffling, groaning types, but they, they're running and jumping. So the battle scenes do have much more of a sense of, well, two-sided contest, a battle about them. Lane escapes the clutches of these creatures with his family, uh, his wife played by Mireille Enos, from the US series The Killing, and is airlifted to what he thinks is Sanctuary, under the care of the Deputy Secretary-General of the United Nations, Thierry Montoni, played by Fanny McQuayne. But it transpires that Thierry needs Jerry to go back out into the field and work out what's causing this outbreak, and the security of his family can only be guaranteed while they're not expendable to the UN, i.e. while Jerry's still working for them. And that, without giving too much away, sets up the film. Now, Rob, have I missed anything? No, I think the only thing to mention in the summary is that the name and some of the content is based on a book uh, by Max Brooks, a very popular book, um, a very well-beloved book that the film picks quite lightly from, shall we say. There isn't much link. The stories in the book are very little to do with the film. Um, There's a lot of flack that being a World War Z movie in name only. Right. I would, I would disagree on that, but that's what the uh, the critical response was, certainly. Okay. So let's let's have your view on this then, Bob. I think it's worth saying that when you make any kind of film, whether you're making it as a director or making it as a small part, 
that you always want it to be good. I've made some films which I'm well aware probably weren't very good. Um, so it's always nice when you work on a film you think it's going to be good. And World War Z, despite having a certainly a troubled shoot um, and having gone through some rewrites and some reshoots and that sort of thing, I'm very happy with how the film came out. I think that it's a good film. I think that I'm a... Anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that I'm a, a big lover of the zombie genre in all its forms. And I think it's a good zombie film. Mm. I think that it's the first film to really handle zombies at this kind of budget. Um, mm. I think I can't think of another zombie film that has this kind of scope and this kind of world-hopping sort of ethos to it. And I'm really happy that it came out. I think that it's a good thing. I think Brad Pitt does well with it. I think the supporting cast is good, especially his wife. I think she's very good. And I think that it... Yeah, I, I'm... I like it, and I think that I'd like it even though my name wasn't in the credits. Yeah, I think that's... Your thoughts, Sam, as, as as the newbie do it. I would agree with you, actually. I think someone that is not, not focused on enough in this film and deserves being watched more is the wife, Morenos, who is very good. Um, and I haven't put it in my recommendations for this week, but I would say go and watch the USA with the killing. Um, well, actually, go watch the Danish one and then watch the US one. Um, they are very different. Uh, it turns out they, the narratives become very different towards the end. Um, but she is uh, she's a very good um, actor in, in her own right, even though in this film she's very much the foil to Brad Pitt. or the She, she becomes an add-on to the character of, of Thierry, I suppose, when they're, when they're uh, quartered on the UN boat. Um, yeah, I. It, this is the second film that we've looked at recently to start with a heartbeat sound, and I think that's probably where the similarity between this and Beast of the Southern Wild ends. Yes. <laughs> um, I. I really like the. I. I would say first. First of all, I thought well, the, the, the film is essentially in in three parts, three acts. Um, there is the act the, that ends in it's end of film. No, they leave Philadelphia. Where do they? Where do they go to? Where do they get uh, rescued from? Uh, from Philadelphia, they get rescued from uh, New Jersey. New and Jersey, then, right? And then, yeah. and then taken to the um, carrier. To the ship. Yeah. Um, so there's that act. There is the act in which he goes to find the source of this um, this pandemic and. Also, so visits Palestine in the middle, and there is a, there is the the third act, which takes place in Wales. Um, I really enjoyed the first act, the first half an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed the bit in Wales. Uh, okay. I thought that was really good as a self-contained film. I thought the first half an hour could be good as a self-contained film. I absolutely hated the politics of the middle act. And would quite happily have done away with that entirely. Um, but, but middle act, because there are two parts of middle act. There's the Korean part, and then there's the, the Palestine part. Right. Both parts, or just the Palestine part? No, just just Palestine. I was taking okay. sort of the the Korean part as, a, as an interlude before. Fair um, enough. I really didn't like the, uh, the bit in Palestine. And I, I have a bit of a bee in my bonnet about... Um, 
well, colonialism in general, people who know me will know that. Um, I didn't like the way it presented Israel as um, a kind of a benevolent force. Um, and I, this, this is my interpretation, this is what I felt. Um, I felt that when, when Lane was talking to someone in, in Jerusalem and this person said, will explain what was happening, and Jerry says, you're letting people in. And then the results of that is, well, every human being we save is one less zombie to fight. And this presents, this seems to be a really troubling way to present the attitude of Israel in the Middle East. Um, mm. And it sort of seems to be like a revisionist attitude to to contemporary politics. Just like, I mean, it, you've got revisionist history, which is also troubling, but there seem to be revisionist present um, in presenting sort of the Jews, uh, the, the, the Jewish community, not to... Not to um, be completely broad brushstrokes about it. It's not not Jewish people in general, but in in this film, it seemed to me that the the Zionist movement, this movement for a for a for an Israeli state, for Jerusalem existing as as a Jewish entity, seemed to be um, presented in the cosmopolitan way. And the when Jerry's getting driven around in Jerusalem at the beginning, he's he. His his driver um, compares the treatment of the Jews in World War Two with their attitude towards the Arabs in the nineteen seventies, and they set themselves up. Uh, he sets them up as a sort of a victim, as a as a martyr, as a minority, and this this presenting the Jews as a minority within the state of Israel as it's set up is a sort of classic revisionist Zionist tactic. In this way that that the the Arabs are presented as the invading force, I that was something I really didn't like about that. I can see what you're saying. I think it is worth noting that that C that whole section is one of the few bits that does come from the book, right? Um, though I think I I, I I can't speak to Middle Eastern politics very well. I can't speak the the book with great great memory. But they open up rather than to all people. To all Jews anywhere around the world, mm. um, and it doesn't end badly in the way it ends badly in the um, in the uh, well, it, it, it does end badly, um, but it doesn't end in the same way in in the book it does in the film. Right. And so, I, 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 I absolutely cannot speak to any kind of politics. It's not anything I know anything about. Um, but that is one of the few bits that does come from the books. The whole Warburton, him being the the eleventh man who dug deeper and found out about zombies does come from the books I do right. think you're right in its problematic stance um, but I think that that's a whole world that I don't know enough about to come on um, but I, 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 I do see what you're saying in that kind of revisionist way and I think that films often get that way a little bit with you know who are the bad guys who are the good guys and it is it is worth noticing in this film that the second interlude before that takes place in in a south korean prison on the uh, dmz mm. in which they've got a cia man arrested who sold um weapons to the north koreans and he tells a story about how to combat the zombie plague the north koreans pull the teeth of every single person in the country yeah um, in the books, that isn't what happens. In the book, 
the North Koreans retreat into the caves in the in the mountains and seal themselves off, um, and no one knows what happens to them. And I think that the film, I think every film, kind of has a hidden political agenda, or not so hidden in this case. Um, mm. and I think it, it is saying interesting things. I think that the it is it is also necessary that the original the original ending of the film uh, took place in Russia, right? Um, in a now kind of militarized dictatorship of Russia, and you've got these outside of the US. The sort of three the original script had them going to Korea, Israel, and Russia, and obviously American relations with those three places is a interesting state of affairs. Mm. Um, I, think there, I would say I sh- that that the bit in Korea and when he says that's how they dealt with zombies pulling their teeth. I thought that, having said I didn't like the Israeli section at all, the Palestinian section at all. I thought that was absolutely brilliant because that is that says an awful lot about the way the West sees North Korea and mm. um, the way the way that North Koreans are seen to react um, in a very dramatic, over-the-top way to outside threats. Um, and I, I just love the way that they, they've got this solution and they think, well, fine, we'll, we'll go for it. And it doesn't necessarily have to be true for it to be an interesting comment on the way that North Koreans mm. are seen. Because... It, it could be him saying, well, this is how they solved it. And they didn't really solve it like that. They just retreated into the caves and spread propaganda about how they solved it to to mess with the, mess with the West. Yes. But that, that's a really, that's a really interesting thing. I, I really, I also liked, um, really liked the um, bit in the plane, the interlude before the interlude, um, well, a bit in the plane and stepping off the plane then. Um, when it seems like after that first act of them getting rescued from New Jersey, if the film has fallen into this pattern of we're going to get a young, relatively young, um, brilliant, fairly good-looking scientist. Um, and in, in Independence Day, for instance, you had Jeff Goldblum. Mm. And in um, in Jurassic Park, you had Sam Neill. I mean, they're both early forties, but they're both sort of clean cut, good looking types. And these are the the radical scientists who either come in and present a different perspective, and they're going to save the day ultimately. I I I, I see what you're saying. But in this film, that guy doesn't save the day, and it's really dramatic the way he doesn't. And I mm. really like that. That I wasn't expecting that at all. I thought. Over oh, right. okay, this is going to be boring. I know exactly how this plays out, and then suddenly you're completely blindsided by what happens in Korea, and you think, "Oh, this is a completely different film." Yeah, I think that that there's something telling in that same scene on the plane when they're talking, and Jerry Lane's character, Bad Pitt, says to these guys that these are the hammers. Everything they see is a nail, mm. which I think is is true for a lot of people. I think that that's a general life kind of idiom. But I also think it's true for zombie films in that to to every person looking at a zombie film, they see a certain sort of film and you feel this film sitting out at that point that this isn't that kind of film. You know, it, it, it is very different to normal zombie films which are either kind of basically siege movies, a lot of them are, 
Um, this essentially is a James Bond film in many ways, in that kind of world hopping, well, it's not glam locations, but it's that kind of film. And I think they are setting out their stall there in that scene, saying a little bit like, you know, to, to you guys, to the, to the public, public, zombie films is one thing, but actually this is something else entirely. And then obviously it's compounded almost straight after that by um, how they, how they remove the scientists from the, from the scene. Hmm. Yeah. I think that there's something in this film about kind of I don't know how to put it, but kind of disease and pandemic as allegory. That's something I, I wanted to talk about this week, and this is when I was I was watching this film, I wasn't really clear. We normally have a set theme we're going to talk about, and it emerges from the film. Um, and I had two things in mind, um, and the two things used very allegorically in this film, and I wasn't really sure which to pick. So one may emerge as a front runner by the end, but we'll see. And they're both. One is exactly as you said, disease as allegory, and the other is. Uh, colonialism or um, expansion, aggressive imperial expansion, as mm. as allegory, um, and I'm unsure sure which of those we, we're going to talk about. But let's have we'll see. I mean, I, myself, I lead towards the second one a little bit because um, I think that this film does have, whilst it's it's, I I, I don't want to discredit into it, but I, I, I discredit the film because I do like the film. But I do think it has a lot of the trope of, of the white American guy coming to save the world. Mm. And I think it is notable, once again, that the the early film, the, the original film, opens with North Korea, Middle East and Russia as the three places he goes. And in each of those places, it's, it's almost like the same, well, these are the bad boys in the world and we're going to send in Brad Pitt, the all-American quarterback jock, to fix it. Because no one else can. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it is notable in the in the in the book certainly that the the sort of savior of the world, the guy who comes up with a plan to save everybody after the outbreaks, is a South African apartheid war criminal. That's um, interesting. So, so they don't use that in the film at all. The film, the, the book, basically is a um, series of short stories. So there isn't a mm. protagonist. It is a chapter per character. That characters are all around the world. Everything from a Chinese doctor who finds the first case in a little village, all the way through to the ex um, vice president of America, and you get the whole story via all these little chunks. So a little bit like Heroes, then. Is that a TV show. Yeah, yes. A little bit like oh, that, but in a world in which none of the characters ever met. Right. Is, well, I only, wa- I only watched the first, like the beginning of Heroes, so for me they didn't meet. Yes, yeah, so, so it's, it's a very <laughs> similar sort of thing. Um, it basically it, it tells the, the global story by telling a hundred odd individual stories. Right. Um, and so the film, obviously, I admit the film has to put a narrative onto that. You can't have that kind of thing as, as a blockbuster film. But I do think that they lost some of the spark by making the hero a family man a white guy from America um, who does ultimately the film presents itself as saving the world Um, yes I think that it's notable that the sidekicks he gets um, across all the kind of uh, missions he goes on are all sexes, all races 
Um, but I do think that there's a a laziness to that, and there's a we've talked about in the past about about uh, filmic imperialism and mm. fil- films as as invasion, I suppose. Um, and I think that this film, whilst being better than other films like that, it still deals in that same currency. You see, that's that's a great word for this. The thinking about the idea of invasion in this film because. Is is there some extent to which this film is saying, well, this is what America did to the world, and now this is what the world is doing to America? In very, very broadly, in very crude terms. It's just a sense that the, the, the society that Brad Pitt knows, the America that Brad Pitt knows, is being invaded. And it's, it's, just, it's in, in a very crude sense, it's, well, how do you like what you've been doing to us? Sort yes. Sort of thing. Yeah, I think that there's a element of, especially of sort of post nine eleven, ness to this, and I think there's a a sort of a, a theory, or not a theory, a uh, sort of a idiom around the idea that America was shocked by nine eleven so much that they'd never, because they'd never been attacked at home before. They mm. never. It's a country that's never been invaded. Um, so I think that there's an element in this film. I think that's why a lot of American disaster films. Are popular is because it plays the idea of the invasion of hometown America, you know, mm. and, and and the that opening scenes in Philadelphia and New Jersey do trade a lot in Americana images. You've got the high rise, you've got the kind of long open roads, you've got these cityscapes, you've even got the kind of the what about the the, uh, sort of the caravan, the um, Winnebago that they drive, and it's very American. You know, the opening scene is uh, sort of a uh, a cab and an American garbage truck in a crash. Yeah. Uh, which, whilst being filmed in Glasgow, does look Philadelphia. Well, yeah, uh, I was just thinking that the 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 traffic jams in in quote unquote Philadelphia at the beginning, which I mean, it, it, it doesn't feel like East Kilbride. It very definitely feels like a, the, any number of films set in mm. in a downtown city in. In the states, yeah. and I think that, that there's there's something to that that it's there's that there's a view of America being the savior in the same way that I don't think James Bond has. James Bond never feels like Britain saving the world. No, but films like World War Z do feel another thing, and I, I think that World War Z is certainly the better end of that of that spectrum. But it does feel like America's saving the world. But I wonder mm. how much how much of that is down to the cultural identity that America presents. America, Britain never thinks itself as a savior nation. I imagine a lot to do with our guilt over um, British Empire. But we don't feel like saviors in the way America views themselves, and often that's the way the world views America. Mm. I would say actually, too. I mean, we've been kind of down all started by me being quite down on this film. I would say that the first maybe 35 minutes was genuinely really exciting. I mm. I was really grabbed by that. Um, with the scenes of them, them fleeing Philadelphia and then the, the shopping in New Jersey and getting into the block of flats and there was that that was that felt like a really good sort of mini film. And it's interesting what you say about this being based on short stories because 
that felt like a short story. That felt like a self-contained narrative. That bit. So mm. I, I thought that was that was brilliant. It was really well shot. I I think I I would I would agree. I think that the film does. It's, it got a lot of flack for not being like the books, but I think that's very unfair because it does feel episodic in the way the book does. Mm. Uh, you do have distinct sections of the story, as you say, acts, but it does mirror that kind of short story function. And it does, which if you haven't read the book, you wouldn't know, it does take some of the um, some of the ideas of the book, like using bicycles, like the whole scene in Korea where they use bicycles to escape the... Um, zombies because they're quiet mm. um, and that's lifted directly from the books the idea right. of using bicycles as a um, as a way of getting around because it's quiet um, and there are lots of things that are lifted straight from the books um, right. which I think are, are are kind of it did get a bad flack for that and I think that's well that's kind of undeserved certainly mm. yeah. um, but as I, I do I think it has some interesting ideas to say about Invasion and and sort of imperialism and kind of opposite infection to to, to to run with the zombie um, motif, mm. infection of of cultural ideas and it's notable that spoiler alert that the solution they find at the end is another infection. That solution they find, which isn't really much of a solution, it turns out, is also. Very another spoiler, but it's very much a preamble. Um, and he says, mm. Brad Pitt says right at the end, "This is this is certainly not the end." Oh, I can't remember. I was paraphrasing the words, words are, but he says, "This is not the end. This is this is a beginning." But we found a way to to start to try and crack this. Yes. Um, and I thought that in in the context of a film which is has got problematic attitudes to expansion and to imperialism there there was a sense of humility in that that I liked it was Mm. a sense of this is not us having the answers okay this was about uh, the great white saviour going out and doing doing things for America but essentially he didn't save the day he didn't have answers this is the preamble to a war and this is the war has not quite yet begun even and I do, I do really enjoy the fact, the ending particularly, because for a big Hollywood film that spent, you know, in excess of two hundred million pounds in the film, it ends as a very small film. Mm. Yes, it ends. I mean, the the original ending was much more bombastic, but the the ending that we that works certainly is this kind of small them and like three or four guys in this World Health Organization, and it's a very almost a very personal film at the end, and I think that. We've we've got on a lot about the kind of the cultural and colonialism part of it, but the the, the start and the end, the end particularly doesn't feel that way. It feels about one guy struggling against the odds of what's going on in the world, mm. and I, I I do enjoy the braveness of this film to kind of yes. do that. Yeah. And from from my point of view, just to kind of add to the praise, I do think it's a very good looking film. I'm very proud of the way it looks. Yes. Um, and for that... a zombie film, it it looks great. I think. That was something something I picked up on right at the beginning is the way that colour is used and it looks there's a a huge contrast between the way the world is seen before the zombies and after the zombies and Mm. I really appreciated that about the way I'm not not just 
pandering to the colorists here. I'm, I genuinely did think, oh, this this is a good looking piece of work. Yes, I I would uh, I would echo that. Yeah, you're not allowed to. Fair enough. So, as as always, we try and end our uh, our film with some recommendations. Right, for Sam. Well, well, I go first. Surely you you should go first, and then I don't. Okay, yeah. okay. I I I will, I will go first. I've got two recommendations. One will be a very obvious link, and one will be a little less obvious. Um, mm. first up, the very obvious one I recommend is Night of the Living Dead. Oh, I knew I shouldn't have let you go first. Uh, <laughs> uh, 1968 version uh, George A. Romano basically this film invented what we consider to be the modern zombie film it is four or five people hiding out in a hut overnight while zombies trailer outside it is, it's old, it's black and white so it's slow but it has an emotional punch and if you look at it as we have in this um, podcast it has an undercurrent allegory of race relations and all that kind of stuff going on in it. I don't want to give too much away because the more you say that film, the more you can ruin it quite easily. But Night of the Living Dead, it's where it all began and it's worth seeing. And I've got two. Oh, okay. Um, Sam says I, I wouldn't talk about my own film, but I am going to talk about another film that I've worked on. Okay. So I'm going to talk about a film called Hugo, which is a 2011 Martin Scorsese film about a orphan who lives in the walls of train station um, in Paris in I think the 30s and it the reason why I'm recommending it linking to it is it has the same cinematographer uh, Bob Richardson who was the cinematographer on on uh, um, Z, also right. was cinematographer on Hugo and it looks very different but it is equally visually stunning in the way they use colour, in the way they use framing, in the way they use a little bit of visual effects here and there. It's a tenuous link, I'm well aware, and a very much a self-serving one, because I'm very proud of that film as well. But I thought I would offer that as my recommendation, some further reading for film fans out there. Good. Sam? Um, yeah, so... First, well, I, actually, Night of Living Dead wasn't, wasn't one of them. Um, I was... Yeah, I was I was fluctuating between two, and I picked another Giorgio Romero film because I think I think well, Night of the Living Dead, brilliant, go and see that. But also see Dawn of the Dead, the original mm-hmm. Dawn of the Dead, because um, it has well, so only seventy eight, another Giorgio Romero film, um, a while after Night of the Living Dead. Um, I think it's it was certainly this is the second best in that series, um, after Night of the Living Dead, and also it has some interesting things to say about consumerism, about um, contemporary America, about the the attitude to the expansion of America, all things that we've been talking about today, um, and also it's it's just quite a funny film, um, mm. and there are several. Um, Interesting comparisons to make with um, with contemporary culture. Um, there, there are scenes from Dawn of the Dead that get replayed in other forms. Um, and if you haven't seen it and you like Shaun of the Dead, then you will understand. You will get more of the jokes in Shaun of the Dead if you've seen Dawn of the Dead. 
Exactly. So that that would be my my first recommendation. Um, second would be um, another not entirely untenuous link, um, and it's another uh, Forster film. There's a director, Mark Forster, um, and I hesitate to say this because knowing your attitude to Christopher Nolan, I have a feeling you don't like this film either. Um, but I'm going to go with Quantum of Solace because um, it is another, another film which looks really good, um, and also um, it's not it wasn't it's not brilliant. Uh, but it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot more sense in the context of Casino Royale, Quantum Solace, Skyfall. And that trilogy actually does make sense. Uh, we watched the the first two in the, in the series before we went to saw Skyfall cinema. And actually, it makes a lot more sense. And Mark Forster is very faithful to the trajectory of the three films. Um, so I think that, that was... That was Underappreciated when it came out. So it's my choice next week. Yes, yes. And I am going to pick a film that I've always really liked, but I genuinely have no idea of Sam's opinion on it. Uh, It's from the year two thousand. It stars John Cusack, based also based on a book by Nick Hornby, called High Fidelity. (laughs) Right. Good. Yeah. So that's my pick for next week. I imagine we'll end up talking about music and or adaptions. But that's our film, and we're picking it up next week. Brilliant. To get get in touch, uh, remember to um, like us on uh, Instagram. That's the wrong word. No, wrong medium. Uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, things like that. Um, so follow us on that. Or you can contact us on Twitter at Prestige Podcast. Or you can find me at Rob Kaiju. Or me at life underscore academic. And we'll see you guys back here next week. Bye. is a Kaiju Industries production. Check out their other work at facebook.com forward slash Kaiju Industries. Rawr! Arg.